Hey, this is Mr. Anderson, Anderson, and you are listening to Two Out of Three Falls. Yeah, 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 what up? You know, it's uh, Peter Rosenberg, Hot 97, ESPN, WWE Network, Cheap Heat Podcast. Um, let's see what else. I got mad jobs out here, but right now, talking all things wrestling with my man Randy Cruz, the Cruise Control Podcast. Sit back and stay mage. You're listening to Cruise Control with Randy Cruz. This is the voice of the New World Order. N-W-O. And Neil Perfect Secrets of WCW Nitro. Graham Matthews, Bleacher Report, fan, sighted, daily, DDT. My man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy. We're talking the draft here today. A lot more to discuss as well. Repping my King Corbin, Baron Corbin oh, t-shirt. This boy. was actually pre-King of the Ring days. So I, <laughs> and this is going to get a lot of people angry that I'm representing Corbin right now. But listen, I'm a fan of his King or not. I'm a fan of Baron Corbin. So I'm here to make a lot of people angry with what I'm wearing here today. Listen, man, I, I'll be honest. I'm shocked you have a Baron Corbin shirt. <laughs> Listen, I bought this for ten dollars in WWE Shop three years ago. I'm, I'm making the most out of it. It's a good investment. It's, it's mean, a nice shirt. It is one of those. I mean, you have Baron Corbin. I got the Warrior. I got to give that one to you. You got me. You got me. Uh, there you, you got go. the one up on me there. <laughs> uh, welcome to a brand new edition of Two Out of Three Falls podcast here on the Cruise Control Podcast Network, which you can find on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Cruise Control Podcast Network now on YouTube. Uh, you can follow Graham on Twitter at WrestleRant. He, he does not have an IG. I don't know why. But I do. I am on you IG. You do? Where? <clears throat> it's um, it's a little confusing, but it's <laughs> at. You're gonna love this. Oh, it's boy. at Instagram Mermina. That's what it is. So Instagram, <laughs> get it? So Insta, and then spelled my name G R A H A M, and then my actual last name M I R M I N A. So I use my actual last name for that. But that's where you can find me on Instagram. I'm not prevalent on there. I don't post a lot, but. I am on IG. I'm not on the Snapchats or the right. TikToks or whatever else, Me but I either. am on Instagram. Me either. Uh, you can follow Graham <laughs> there on <laughs> Instagram, Instagram Mermerna, right? Instagram Mermerna. Yeah, it's, okay. again, it's a bit of a tongue twist, a bit of a mouthful. You can follow me on both Twitter and IG at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. Please go ahead and download, rate, comment, subscribe to the podcast. We definitely appreciate the love and support. Um, if you want to buy a t-shirt, prowrestlingtees.com slash cruise control for the two out of three falls podcast t-shirt. So, Graham, we have day two of the draft. We got, uh, as you see in the bottom here, Bailey being number one on PWI Top 100. I got a cool convo. I want to ask you about the Shield and all three individual members. Uh, as far as day two goes for the, the draft, some notables, you might help me out here. Uh, the Fiend is now going to Raw. Uh, yep. Alexa Bliss is now going to Raw, which makes sense. Um, the Street Profits now go to SmackDown because the New Day are coming to Raw. Mm-hmm. Kevin Owens to SmackDown. Uh, I think Braun Strowman to Raw as well. Braun Strowman to Raw. Sheamus goes to Raw. Raw. Mm-hmm. Okay, I did see your your article, um, article real quick on on DDT about the the athletes who will have a bigger change uh, for them with the whole with the whole move. So, are there any other notable moves that I'm missing from day two of the draft? 
Um, notable moves. Uh, Bailey's staying put on SmackDown. Daniel Bryan is staying put on SmackDown. Right. Lars Sullivan went to SmackDown. Not sure how many people care about that, but he's on SmackDown. Although he <laughs> kind of already was before he got injured. Um, I'm trying to think. Alistair Black also got moved, albeit in the sixth round, but he also got moved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a majority of the picks. Apollo Crews got moved to SmackDown as well. Okay. So, um, you know, I would say it was a pretty eventful draft. I saw a lot of people saying it was uneventful. It was disappointing. I mean, again, it's all subjective. In my opinion, I think they moved almost too many people. Um, it seemed like they kind of switched up the mid-card, the women's, and the tag teams more than they probably should have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it turned out to be a pretty good draft. We got some pretty big moves. And I think a lot of the people that, that switch shows, as they talk about in that Daily DDT article, as you mentioned, um, I think – should have switched shows. Kevin Owens, I talked to him last week. He wanted to move to SmackDown. He got moved to SmackDown. I think he needs the refresh. He needs the reset. Right. Um, the Fiend, I think, is a better fit on Raw. Braun Strowman's a better fit on Raw. I think Sheamus can get some real opportunities to shine on Raw So um, compared to SmackDown. So uh, Jeff Hardy was another one that got moved to Raw. Matt Riddle got moved to Raw. A lot of notable moves overall. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the landscapes of these shows look like coming out of the draft. So I'm looking at right now on your article on fan sided DDT uh, KO. Uh, uh, the the main thing was six superstars who would benefit from the draft at the switching show. So you mentioned Kevin Owens going to SmackDown, The Fiend going to Raw, um, Sheamus going to Raw, The Miz and Morrison going to Raw, mm-hmm. uh, Bianca Belair going to SmackDown. Yeah, she was on night one. And Miz and Morrison were on night one too. Yep, and. That was pretty much it. So, um, a lot of movement. Uh, I think a lot of fans wanted to see a lot of movement. I guess you just know who's staying on what shows. You know Drew staying on Raw. You know Roman staying on on SmackDown. I think you know Steph going to SmackDown was a big move. The Fiend going to Raw is a big move. I'm um, I'm trying to figure out now with the Fiend going to Raw. Also with Alexa Bliss, I know that they'll probably keep that storyline going with both of them together. But now it's like. What's in line for the Fiend? I, I, again, you know, he, uh, on SmackDown, you had Braun, he had Roman Reigns, now it's on Raw. Is there Drew McIntyre in his way? Who else is uh, in his <coughs> way? Can he become world champion again? Do you want to see him world champion again? W- what do you think the path is for Bray now on Raw? Well, first and foremost, I mean, we give the company a lot of crap for dumb moves that they make, but I yeah. think it was smart for them to keep Alexa Bliss and The Fiend together, and you're probably thinking, well, that's logical. Obviously, they should have done that. They don't always do the logical thing. I mean, the New Day breaking up, I think, was for the absolute best. We discussed that last week. Right. Um, they broke up Heavy Machinery, which I thought was dumb. They broke up a few other, like the Lucha House Party, who really cares, but like Heavy Machinery stood out to me as being a stupid move to make, to break those two up. Um that being said, though, I like the fact that The Fiend and Alexa are on Raw as a package deal. Right. I know they attacked Zelina and Andrade on Monday. That's not the next feud. Zelina's on SmackDown. Andrade went, actually fucking went undrafted. Despite being a round one draft back a year ago, I heard he's he went hurt. undrafted this year. I heard he's, uh, a surgery or something like that happened. That's why he didn't get picked. That's what I heard. Well, I heard that, too, but like... There were a bunch of people that got picked that are her that are out right now. You know, like Charlotte might be out for another three months. I know right. Andrade is no Charlotte, and there are a couple. I you know, coincidentally enough, right? Um, that doesn't really. Even, if he was hurt, then he shouldn't have been eligible. And he also wrestled on Raw this week. He lost to Angel Garza. So yeah, mm-hmm. he's hurt. He's probably taking time off. They fucking should have put him on a show though. There were a few other people that aren't right. on the show at this very moment mm-hmm. that they drafted. So. 
I don't buy that excuse just because they fucking drafted Babatunde, Dabakato, whatever the hell his name is, and Arturo <laughs> Ruas from Raw Underground, but they won't draft Andrade. That makes no sense to me. I heard that he might be going back to NXT, but it also doesn't explain why would these GMs or whoever's running these shows want these losers from Raw Underground, but not Andrade. Mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense. Um, what was they saying? Oh, yeah. So the Fiend and Alexa aren't feeding with those two, nor should they. I don't really know what you do with them right off from the get-go. Mm -hmm. I don't really look at The Fiend as needing a feud every minute of every week right. just because the guy's matches aren't the greatest as The Fiend. We kind of saw that with the Kevin Owens match last week on SmackDown. Um, he can do more segment stuff, storyline stuff. I think the stuff with Alexa has been one of the best things they've done on any show in recent months. I think the Roman and Jay stuff has it topped. But right. it's also been very intriguing overall. I love the idea to put those two together. Alexa Bliss needed that. The Fiend needed it. I fucking love it. Um, but I like the idea to move him to Raw. One, just because I think Bray Wyatt is a better fit on Raw anyway. I was very confused when they moved him to SmackDown last year. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he was Universal Champion for a solid four months. But he's not, he's not the type of character that needs the championship anyway. So... I wouldn't be opposed to him eventually winning another top title like the WWE Championship. I don't really want to see him be the one to beat Drew. I think, uh, not really Sheamus, but they can build up, you know, Sheamus maybe. I want to see Sheamus and Drew at some point. I think AJ Styles would be perfect. Mm -hmm. um, that's another feud we've never seen before that we can now see on Monday nights, among other people. Braun and Drew, if they wanted to do that. But, um... Yeah, I think The Fiend, he doesn't really need a, a, a concrete set-in-stone feud right now. Right. But I think at some point, him and Drew could be a fun feud. Maybe not right away, because they want to see Drew win, and you don't want to have The Fiend lose that often. Right. So, after already losing the Universal Championship. So, maybe down the road, I don't love suggesting this, just because he needs to be rebuilt, but... You know, you could do the Fiend and Ricochet, maybe. You know, he's kind of on his own now. Not a great idea. But I think at some point what we need to get, and he's currently busy with Elias, but the Fiend and Jeff Hardy. I think that would be very interesting, just given the Jeff Hardy dynamic, the face paint, the Fiend. Mm -hmm. I think it just works perfectly. We've never seen, <clears throat> I don't think, Bray Wyatt and Jeff Hardy before, even one-on-one. -on -one. So I think that's the ultimate end goal for the Fiend character at some point, hopefully, whether it be before the end of 2020 or early on in 2021. So now with Alexa going to Raw, I think I think it helps her more than the Fiend going to Raw. I think the, the Fiend with the radio champion on SmackDown, whatever, doing all this stuff. So I think Alexa will benefit more to going to Raw because she was, she was in a weird place on SmackDown with the Nikki Cross and the tag titles and she was out for a while. Then, then it's like, what do you do? And Bailey and Sasha took over um, that show respectfully during the whole pandemic. So now it's like, I think it's it's a breath of fresh air. I'm surprised you, I'm surprised you didn't put Alexa on that, on that article about how, the switch can benefit someone. So Alexa, does that some way, somehow down the road, put her in line for to be like for to, to go for the championship at, at some point in time? Yeah, I would. Th I would think so. I mean, she's a perennial player in the championship picture. She was kind of a non-factor on SmackDown, which I mean, it's not like she was a background player. Like she was tag team champion twice while she was on the show. I think. Right. Maybe. No, actually, they lost the tag titles before they got drafted to SmackDown last year, mm -hmm. but they were tag team champions for a few months coming out of WrestleMania. Um, prior to that, she didn't really do a hell of a whole lot. They did feed with fire and desire. So, again, she was kind of a non-factor, which 
honestly, I wasn't angry about just because she was in the championship picture so often. Yeah. From when she first got called up in 2016 to when she last lost the Raw Women's Championship in 2018, she was in that picture for two years straight. Literally was always in the contention for the SmackDown Women's Championship or the Raw Women's Championship. And now the tag titles. She's won Money in the Bank. She's essentially done it all aside from like winning the Royal Rumble and stuff like that. So. You know, I think she needed to refresh. I kind of forgot about her when I was putting that article together. This character doesn't really need to go for a championship right now. Right. But at some point, who's the current champion? Asuka? I think that could be interesting. We've never really seen a full-fledged Asuka-Alexa Bliss feud. Could she be the one to take the belt off of Asuka? Potentially. Maybe. I look at that raw roster. I know. Yeah, I mean, I think Naomi would make sense as well. I think she's great. Um Trying to think who else got moved to Raw. Lacey Evans. You know what? They're fresh opponents for Asuka to face. She has never really faced slash feuded with any of these women. So I wouldn't you know, say that the title is going to absolutely be on Alexa Bliss at some point. But it's an idea for a few that they could do down the road. I would, you know, I would probably say that. Right. So real quick. So as we mentioned, a lot of people got moved. Um the Fiends to Raw, you mentioned Braun Strowman, Matt Riddle to Raw, Jeff Hardy to Raw, Elias got picked up. Yep, he came back after five, six months away, I think. Wow, it's been that long for Elias? Yeah, he's been gone since like May, June or something like that. Was he yeah, hurt? Like or he, was he hurt? Yeah, he was hurt, yeah. Well, they, they explained in storyline, they did that whole Jeff Hardy hit and run bullshit, and they oh, said that God. Jeff Hardy hit him even though he didn't, and I guess they never paid off that angle, because Elias said this week, he was like, he blamed Jeff Hardy for hitting him, mm-hmm. and he was like, oh yeah, I know someone with red hair did it, but I, I thoroughly believe that it was Jeff. And I could have sworn they paid that angle off, but I guess not. So um, I like the fact they're kind of acknowledging that even happened, and they're not like forgetting about it. Right. So, uh yeah, I like that. He's a heel again. He was a face for a while earlier this year, but he's a heel again. He's feeding with Jeff Hardy. So, again, at least it's something different. So, from the woman's standpoint, you mentioned Oscar. <coughs> we mentioned Alexa. So, Charlotte remains on Raw. Naomi's now on Raw. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Lacey Evans. Nikki Cross is now on Raw. Yep. Peyton Royce and Lana. That's all you have. Yeah, they well, they're still on Raw. Um, well, I mean, they have a pretty <laughs> decent women's division compared yeah. to SmackDown. SmackDown has like Bailey, Banks, Bianca, and that's about it. They really don't have a lot of like great women. They have Billy Kay, who cares? Zelina Vega, who cares? Tamina, who cares? Uh, Carmella. You could repackage her a million times. She just doesn't really. I don't know. We'll see where she goes with yeah. this new character, but I don't really... Oh, man, I can't... I'm so excited to see what happens with Carmella. I mean, is anyone really saying that? I haven't seen it, so... And plus, you also have Shayna, Nia Jax, Mandy Rose, and Dana Brooke as far as tag team, so... They have a lot of women on Raw. They have a lot yeah. of good women. You know, Shayna, when they, if she eventually breaks away from the tag team shit, is going to be a, a big star. There's the Fiend going to Raw, by the way, in the, the background while we're watching Raw. Got drafted on Monday nights. But, um, um, yeah, no, Raw, Raw has a number of good women. I think their women's division is in good shape, I would say, overall. So, for SmackDown, as you mentioned, Seth goes there. Danny Bryan stays there. Kevin Owens goes there. New Day goes to Raw as well. Uh, Apollo Crews goes to SmackDown. Uh, Bianca Belair, Carmella, you mentioned. And, uh, Natalia goes to Raw um, on SmackDown. Yep. The Riot Squad mm-hmm. and the Street Profits. So we knew once the New Day got once the New Day went to Raw, we knew Street Profits were going to SmackDown. But 
in my mind and probably your mind, you're thinking, wow, we'll probably have a, a big time unification matchup and everybody, one winner, one tag team champions to go on both shows, but they go do a backstage uh, segment and they just hand off the belts. Like, <clears throat> we're good. Give me those belts. Give me these belts and we're good. Like, yeah, there, there's a lot of things that from a sports aspect about the draft that just doesn't <clears throat> work. So, again, if you're trying to portray this is a real draft mm-hmm. and real selections, like the, how the NBA, NFL does it, baseball, whatever, you have no GMs for both for all SmackDown. You got Stephanie coming out with the paper calling out names on, on, mm-hmm. two, on two nights. No one really saying, wow, why did you, why did you pick Charlotte Flair for Raw. Oh, because she's a multiple time champion. She's been consistent. She's blah, blah, blah. Why would you Why would you pick Kevin Owens for SmackDown? Oh, because he's a former this champion and that champion and he's won five in a row. Like, there's no realism to the to that part of the draft. You just call out names and, and, and you're saying changing the landscape of, of Monday nights and Friday nights where it just, me as a fan, a big sports fan, I don't, I don't get that feeling. So I know a lot of fans across the world who watch the draft are just like, "Hey, cool, you know, it's fun," but have have a legit gripe of how they always portray it. This, this, isn't, this isn't the draft from 2 where you have Flair and McMahon picking names and crowds going crazy and you know upset potential. Now it's just like, all right, this guy's coming there, and okay, it's whatever now. Well, listen, I will say this. To play devil's advocate for what you're saying, it is a massive step up from the dumbass superstar shakeup they used to do from year to year. Right. A couple of years ago. I agree. They would literally have people just fucking show up on the other show. Exactly. That was literally all they did. And those people would either go back to the other show mm-hmm. or they either wouldn't explain the moves. Yeah. It was ridiculously dumb. It was really, really stupid. So at least now, again, <coughs> that was weird because that was when we had GMs. We don't have GMs now. No. And they're making these picks. So it's a step in the right direction from what they were doing a couple of years ago when Miz would just show up on Raw after being on SmackDown. He would be like, oh, I'm on Raw now. Fucking why? Like, why are you on the show? Like, did you get picked? Did you want to get moved? Did you just, if, do I, if I show up on Raw, do I get drafted or Raw? Like, that didn't make any sense to me. Right. Um, I always hated that. So this is a step in the right direction. The execution is not perfect. It has its flaws. One, we need GMs. I never thought I would say that, but like, because the GMs almost always overshadowed every show they were fucking on for the last couple of years when they brought them back in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, at least on Raw. SmackDown wasn't as bad. Daniel Bryan did a pretty good job. He did a great job as GM, actually, for as long as he was in that role for until he came back to the ring. Uh, Paige was a good GM. They weren't really on the show all that much. Shane McMahon was quite a bit towards the end, which was terrible. Right. Um, you know, on Raw, we had Mick Foley, Kurt Angle. They were kind of on Raw, but they weren't overbearing. Like, the McMahons, we don't need. But if they appoint a regular GM, bring a page back, they're not doing anything with her, she's under contract, make her the SmackDown GM, or an Angle again for Raw, whatever. Um, I think that's perfectly fine. Like, for NXT, we still have a GM there, and he doesn't show up every single week, and that wouldn't that being William Regal. Um, they need to explain who's making these picks, as you mentioned, and why they're making some of these picks. I think the biggest issue some people had with this draft I, I had less of an issue this year with who went where, like in what round, for example. Like you look at uh, Alistair Black, went in round six, dude, under fucking Daba Kato from <laughs> Raw Underground. Or, I don't know, some other losers like Peyton. Like I like Peyton Royce. There wasn't really Peyton Royce. There was someone else that was like, 
he got picked under oh Titus O'Neil who was was who it was. Mm. Maybe he was on maybe he was on night one. I thought he maybe it was night two. But Titus O'Neil got selected at the beginning of round six before like Alistair Black for SmackDown. And I'm like, the and, fuck? And Graham, like, that, that's my point. If if you want it to be real, show Alistair Black in the backstage area, upset going in round five, round six, where he knows he's better than Titus O'Neil. Hey, have an interview with Black, uh, uh, Alistair. You just got drafted uh, sixth round of a row. How do you feel? This is whatever. This is bullshit or they, whatever. They something. did do that at one point. I know. I, I completely agree. They did do that at one point because I know when I spoke to Kevin last week, he um, first of all, he actually was, he was legitimately frustrated with how low he got drafted in previous years. This year, he got drafted in round three. Previously, he got drafted in... Actually, this year was round two, I think. Okay. Previously, he had been drafted in round three and round like four or something like that. So he was happy with where he got drafted this year, I think, I would assume, or happier anyway. Um, but he went on like Raw Talk or one of those talk shows after the draft was over, and he was like, I'm fucking pissed. Like, why don't you select me? I'm... I, I'm this, this, and this. I've won all these championships. I'm a valuable asset. We need to see more of that. Exactly. He takes it seriously, exactly, which he should. I know it's it's you know it's storyline scripted, whatever, but we need to see it be taken seriously. Because why should I care who goes where and when they go if the company themselves doesn't really show, doesn't put that much effort into it? So I agree with that. The New Day thing was stupid. Not the fact they were split up, but like the the New Day could be picked as a unit. So why would you, and I think we discussed this on Saturday show, but why would you select just Kofi and Xavier, but not Big E? That doesn't make any sense at all. Like they haven't explained that. They probably won't explain that. Hmm. That's so stupid. You, you, you can pick up Big E. He's, he's literally not even costing you an extra draft pick. If it did, I would get it, but it doesn't. So that didn't make any sense. And they just, they smacked up, picked up Big E because Raw had already gotten the other two. It just, I don't, I don't really get it, but um, it, it's not the worst thing. It's been worse. The Superstar Shake was one of the worst and most laziest things I've ever seen. So this is at least an improvement, right. but there is still work to be done in making this concept better and obviously drafting, you know, making real GMs, not Adam Pierce standing in the back when you have no idea what his role is supposed to be. Exactly. Would make this thing a lot more realistic. Yo, I have no idea who he is. Me, I, I know you probably know because you've been watching it, but when I see this guy, I'm like, I don't know who he is or where he came from. That, that's exactly my point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know the force. He, he doesn't even have, well, I mean, he has never wrestled in the company. Uh-huh. He's a former NWA champion, I think. He's he's only been a backstage person for this company. He was a trainer initially, I think, in NXT or a producer, whatever. Got moved to the main roster. He's I don't know if he's still running 205 Live, or at least he was at one point. And now he's on every Raw and SmackDown. It's like, why, though? Who is this guy? He switched the titles between right. Raw and SmackDown. That's another thing. We shouldn't have brand-specific championships. I miss the days where on SmackDown, you had the WWE tag team titles, and on Raw, you had the world tag team titles. Because then you could switch the shows if you wanted to. Or like for the women's championship, I wouldn't advocate bringing back the Divas championship. Uh But on one show, you had the women's title. You had the Divas title on the other. So if they switch shows, you wouldn't have to go, oh, let's swap titles. Right. Why would you need to swap titles? Like the, 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 the titles, either you make the champions ineligible to be drafted, which would make way more sense. Or if you want everyone eligible, mm-hmm. then don't make them brand specific titles. That's also got to change too, I would say. Yeah. Or you just fucking unify everything and have one, one tag team champion like you do uh, with the, with the women and they can go on both, both shows. They're, they're ineligible to be drafted. If you're a champion, you cannot be drafted. 
That's first and foremost. Well, you don't want. I mean, like you said, if they if they have the champions eligible, I mean, the tag title should have been unified a while ago. The tag team division is shit. I mean, yeah. you still have that issue though with the women's division where you shouldn't unify the titles because we have a lot of women. There's no re- there's no reason to unify those championships. Charlotte Flair would be champion twenty four seven in that case, or you know mm-hmm. Bailey or whatever. Right. Um. But uh, you should not have brand specific titles. I think that just kind of goes without saying. Mm-hmm. Well. I mean, the draft is what it was. You know, we, we didn't really expect a whole big um, ordeal out of it. So, no, I, mean, I liked it overall. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm nitpicking here. I'm not even nitpicking. I mean, these are issues that should be addressed. But I don't want to shit on it. I don't want to be one of those people that says, "Oh man, the draft sucked." <laughs> I saw a lot of negative feedback. And listen, that's that's all subjective. That's all. You listen, I could say it was good. You could say it was shit. That's totally fine. I actually enjoyed it. I always enjoy the annual shakeups. I thought last year's draft was a fucking mess. And I think a lot every year coming out of each shakeup, we always say SmackDown slaughtered Raw or mm-hmm. Raw slaughtered SmackDown. Right. I can't really say that this year. I think they ended up with pretty even rosters. I think Raw may have gotten the slight edge in some of the people they got. They got AJ, Braun, Fiend. Uh, Riddle, Keith Lee, Drew, Orton, Edge is still there when he comes back. They have Charlotte, Becky when she comes back, Asuka. They have a lot of women, Naomi. A lot of great talent on that show. SmackDown has a lot of good talent, too. I think Raw got the slight edge over SmackDown. Um, Jeff Hardy as well, I think I mentioned. But, yeah, so even still, I think the rosters are still relatively even as they should be. So if you get drafted to a different show, are you a fan of having a farewell match the following week for them? Yeah, you know, I'm fine with that. What they should say, again, this company is not great on rules. (laughs) But what they should say, and they've done this in years past with the draft, not recently, but like when we first had the draft 10, 15 years ago, Mm. they would say the draft rules or whatever brand you're assigned to does not go into effect until this pay-per-view. Because like the the issue with the fucking draft happening in the middle of October is that we have a a pay-per-view coming up next weekend. Um... And people are in the midst of feuds and they're switching shows. It's so confusing. Like, I don't even know if we have a set card for Hell in a Cell. I think we have three cell matches and that might be it. Because everyone's switching shows and, you know, like, it's a mess. So they should do it after WrestleMania. Literally, like, the night after WrestleMania Mm -hmm. should be the draft, dude. Come on, all the feuds are over. But if you want to do rematches from WrestleMania... Have the draft rules go into effect after Backlash or whatever that post WrestleMania pay per view is? Extreme rules, whatever. Money in the bank. Well, that, you know, that, you know, they do it because a whole season premiere on USA and Fox, so they have to reshuffle the deck. So that's why that's why they do it in October now. So I, I agree. Nah, after no. Mania, yo, we're gonna shuffle everything now. But you know, no, I get it. But you know, even still, though, dude, even if you are gonna do it in October. October, then do it the day after a pay-per-view because doing it in the midst of a month where there's a show coming up next weekend is ridiculously dumb like last year i think they did it no i was gonna say they did it before hell in the cell i think they did it after hell in the cell last year but it was still pretty stupid they had like the fiend and and, and rollins feuding over the universal championship even though they ended up on separate shows it was so confusing so I don't know. They just, the, the timing is just not great um, in terms of when this stuff happens. So, again, I like the annual shakeups. Just pinpointing an actual day to do it. Again, after WrestleMania makes way more sense. But if you're going to do it now, then do it after Survivor Series or something. I know you said the season premieres. Yeah. But, like, November would make more sense because I've seen other people say this. Because then at Survivor Series, we talk every single year how they do brand supremacy, all this other dumb shit. There's no stakes for that pay-per-view. So if you do Raw, SmackDown, even NXT, and NXT should absolutely be involved in this draft. 
It has to be. They have a big enough roster. They're two hours now. They should be. They should be involved. Johnny Gargano should be drafted. Velveteen Dream has a lot of issues right now, but he probably should move off NXT. You know, stuff like that. They should be drafted as well. So if you do it after Survivor Series, then you could have these brands fight for a draft pick at that show. They, they're not going to do that, though. But I think that would just make way more sense to do it in November after Survivor Series if you really want to do it in the right. fall. Or like if you have these Survivor Series four five man kind of uh, matches, you could say, "All right, this team against that team." If your team okay, Raw versus SmackDown, if mm-hmm. SmackDown loses, your whole team got to go to Raw. If Raw loses, your whole team got to go to SmackDown. I mean, that just wouldn't make it fair, but I mean, that is an idea, though. One of those rosters would be fucking lopsided. I know, right? But it, it's an idea. It, you know what? It stakes. We yeah. need stakes for that show. I'm not even sure if they're doing it this year, but mm. uh, the whole brand supremacy shit, I'm pretty right. sure they are. But again, it, when it, this also doesn't make any sense. Why would you do the, the Survivor Series shit a month after the draft? Because it's like, why would these people be loyal to these brands? For example, why would AJ be loyal to Raw when he was just on SmackDown? Before that, he was on Raw. Before that, he was on SmackDown. These people switch almost every fucking month. Why would they be loyal to one show or the other? It doesn't, and they have no reason to be loyal. There's nothing on the line, so who cares? Exactly. So they they got to address that stuff. Uh, you mentioned Hell in a Cell. As of right now, there's only three matches, all Hell in a Cell matches. Uh, Roman Uso, Drew Orton, and Bailey and Sasha. Speaking of Bailey. She's uh, number one on the uh, PWI Top 100. So, you know, people take this thing seriously and they, it's, it's whatever. But um, I think for the kind of year Bailey had, um, the longest reigning SmackDown Women's Champion of all time, correct? Yep. And she might be... She might be, I think, the longest reigning champion of anyone in recent memory combined days, like even over Charlotte, between the two days that she's had a SmackDown Women's Champion. Mm-hmm. I'd have to I'd have to look that up. I think she, I think she's at three hundred and sixty eight days as champion. With one reign. I mean, if you add any other reign, it's like five hundred or something. Right. And she's she was also raw women's champion too. So she's probably had more days as champion than almost anyone else in the company, I would I would probably think. And I think the top five was her, uh, uh, in no order, uh, Bailey, Sasha, Asuka, Becky, and Charlotte, right? That, that's, that's the top five? I think so, yeah. Okay. It was all WWE people, I know yeah. that. But I think for the kind of year she's had, uh, being um, the SmackDown champion since like forever, and holding it down with her and Sasha in the whole pandemic, um, Without those two, I don't know what kind of programming they would have had because they were on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, building up this whole Sasha Banks rivalry um, that hopefully maybe it might culminate at Hell in a Cell. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about Bailey's reign as SmackDown Women's Champion, the year she's had, her being number one. I think it's well-deserved. And some... If you want to count Sasha stuff, go ahead. But some of her memorable moments as uh, SmackDown Women's Champion. You know, I think it's cool to see because for a few different reasons. One, the heel run did not get off to the strongest start. Her promos were no good. She was not having many great matches. Um, she was just kind of like, oh, they turned her heel for the sake of turning her heel. It was like, okay, she right. sucks as a heel. They tried it. She's a more natural baby face. I was saying that up until like February or March. I think it really turned around after WrestleMania. 
And Sasha had a lot to do with that. I think Sasha really brought the best out of Bailey. Um, she's found her footing in the role over the last six or seven months or so. Mm-hmm. She's had some better matches recently. Um, she's really held down the fort in that SmackDown Women's Division. She's been booked largely very well. She's beaten almost everyone there is to beat. She's beaten, you know, Asuka before, even from Raw. She's beaten Charlotte Flair clean. She's, you know, going to be beating Sasha. But, you know, she's going to be facing Sasha Banks coming up in her first ever Hell in a Cell match. Um, she's won six pack challenges. She's won five ways, triple threats, everything. She main evented Survivor Series last year, um, probably Hell in a Cell later this month. It's cool to see because the other reason why this is cool is because she was always kind of like the lesser of the four horsewomen in the last couple of years. Because Charlotte is Charlotte. She's like a 10 time champion. Becky became big. Um, two years ago, mm-hmm. kind of leaving Bailey as like the irrelevant one. And then Sasha's always been great. And Bailey's great too, but she was never booked properly in the main roster. She had some potential to be a breakout babyface as soon as she showed up on Raw four years ago, but they quickly butchered her booking and she never really recovered in that role. So they didn't really have much of a choice but to turn her heel last year. And it took some time for her to kind of find her footing, but she did. And so between that, her getting better, not in the ring, she's, she's always been good in the ring, but getting better at being a heel, cutting promos, being booked a lot better has really helped her a lot. So the combination of those two things, WWE holding their own with her, Bailey holding her own as well, um, you know, WWE holding their end of the bargain has really made her the standout women's wrestler, mm-hmm. I would say, of anywhere in, in professional wrestling in 2020. So I think it is well-deserved. I've always been a big Bailey fan, dating back five, six, seven years. Um, but I think this might be, I don't want to say the best Bailey because she was really on fire coming out of that Sasha match five years ago in NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. It's not the best Bailey I've ever seen. But she's still doing great work right now, and she's head and shoulders above everyone else. I mean, Sasha's also great, but you know, Becky's gone for now. Charlotte's been gone for months. She's holding it down over on the SmackDown brand, and uh, right, you know, she hasn't really elevated anyone. Is kind of the issue because she's beaten everyone. No one's really benefited from her reign. It's not like they kind of built up a new babyface like a Bianca to beat her. Sasha's probably going to be the one to beat her, which it should be. At some point, they got to get beyond the four horsewomen stuff. I think this is the last real feud with the four horsewomen that we haven't seen yet. And hopefully when this is over, we can move the fuck on. Because we've seen Charlotte and Becky a million times. We yeah. got Sasha and Becky last year, which was great, but we've got we've seen that before. You know, Charlotte and Sasha obviously been done to death. Bailey and Charlotte, that was done to death last year as well and another year's on the main roster. We never really got Bailey and Sasha that one. We're finally getting that now. That's awesome, but when it's over, we got to move on to fresh faces in this women's division. I want to see Bianca get pushed. I think Lacey could get more of an opportunity. Naomi's been here for a decade. She's not exactly a new face, but she's also still good, and I still think that she can get more opportunities on the Raw brand. Asuka, you know, to her credit, they built her up very well. Um, I don't want to say the four horsewomen are the only relevant women in the in the company. Right. You have Asuka, who's been, again, kind of replaced Becky as the female face of that show, and it's great to see. But you need more people in that conversation beyond Asuka, Bailey, and Banks. You need to build up more women. They have more women. They have the ability to do so, and hopefully they will coming out of hell in the cell. So do you cut Bailey's uh, reign short at um, at hell in the cell, or do you keep it going? And if so, for how long do you think she should she should be champion for? Well, I mean, I think the only option is if you don't have her win, Sasha, that is, then you should probably have her win at WrestleMania. Do they have the patience to do that? No. Probably not. I don't think so, dude. I don't think so. They've already had one match on SmackDown, which, granted, lasted a couple minutes. Mm -hmm. I don't have faith they're going to hold out. So I'm going to say you probably just ended there. 
Um, maybe they could do a rematch. They should do a rematch. They, you know, have great chemistry. I want to see more matches from them. I, I don't think they'll stretch it out. It would have just been a lot better if they just kept Sasha off the show till the Rumble. She comes back and wins it, and then they get the title match at WrestleMania. That just would have been a lot better. Yep. I feel like it's rushed right now. Um, it is what it is. I think they probably have Sasha win and then move on to face, you know, again, Bianca Belair, Billy Kay, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I forgot who else is on that show, but, you know, that that's probably what they'll do. Yeah. Um, I want Sasha to win at Hell in a Cell. I wouldn't be shocked if she does not win because then it's like, all right, when does Bailey drop the belt? Not on SmackDown. The next show you have is the Survivor Series, correct? Yes, yeah, Survivor Series, I think, is the next pay-per-view after that. Yep. Damn. I don't know. And then TLC. Then TLC and then the Rumble. Yep. Well, I mentioned to you this before. I, I mentioned this to you before, Randy, that I would like to see Bailey win to keep the feud going and to keep Sasha in chase mode. Right. The problem with that, I feel, is that Sasha has lost inside Hell in the Cell twice already I, to, to other four horsewomen in um, in Charlotte Flair mm-hmm. and in uh, Becky last year. I kind of feel like she has to win this because if she doesn't, she is the ultimate loser. But I mean, she she's she she she'd never won at WrestleMania either. So, um, right or wrong? Yeah, no, I thought she won this. No, no, she's never won at WrestleMania, which is also pretty bad too. But. Exactly. So, what's more important, me winning at Hell in a Cell, which I, I've lost two Cell matches, or winning? If I'm gonna get my first W at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. It's got to be against Bailey, but like you like you mentioned, I don't think they have the patience to wait that long. Well, I don't want to see a situation where they have Bailey win and then she wins it like TLC. That's fucking dumb. Just have her win here. If it's not okay, here's my thing: if she doesn't win here, mm-hmm. it has to be WrestleMania, right? It, it has to be because if they're not going to do that, if they're not going to wait that long, then have her win here. Yeah. That's my thing. I still can't believe Sasha has no W's <laughs> at WrestleMania. I'm like, and she said five matches, dude. She said five, five WrestleMania matches. Not one. Three, two, three, four, five, and six. Five matches. Some tag teams, some multi persons. Actually, they've all been multi persons. She's never had a singles match at WrestleMania. She had a triple threat at 32. 33 was a four way. 34 was a fucking battle royal. 35 was a fatal four-way tag team match. Yeah. And then 36 was a five-way. That five-way, which she helped Bailey win. Yeah. I mean, Bailey's also never had a singles match at WrestleMania, but like Sasha, she's been here a little bit longer, mm-hmm. so it's kind of even more said that she's never had a singles match. Their first singles match should have been fucking against each other at any of these WrestleManias in the last five fucking years. Right. And they didn't do it. No. Whatever. But they, they should do it next <laughs> year, but they probably won't. Which... I've heard it could be in Tampa now. Real quick, I heard WrestleMania Correct. 37 is in Tampa now, originally uh, L.A. Now mm-hmm. they're moving uh, WrestleMania 38 to L.A. I heard that this morning. Um, I mean, I, I guess I guess they want to repay the favor back to Tampa for not doing it this year because of the whole pandemic. That's if we even have WrestleMania outdoors. That could be back-to-back years. It's supposed to be in Tampa, and they don't do it. Um, yeah, I think I, I think that that's a smart move because if you're gonna have WrestleMania in scheduled for LA, you want to do it in in LA. You don't want to do it in the whole. Let's do it there. We cancel it. 
do it in the fucking Thunderdome with PC, whatever. You don't want that. So I, yeah. I, I agree with that. Uh, repay Tampa to do it there. Let's see what happens. But then you do 38 in LA. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think it's not set in stone. Mm-hmm. It's not set in stone that it's absolutely going to be in Tampa. I just think they're having discussions about having that happen because there's a lot of legal stuff they got to get through because right. it's, you know, they kind of promised that California well, would get me. I Wikipedia today. I saw Wikipedia today. You could trust it or not. It said Tampa, Florida. <laughs> I mean, that's Wikipedia. W- until it comes to WWE, <laughs> until the company outright says it's in Tampa. We, I mean, again, I agree with you. I mean, I said the same thing to you over text this morning about Eva Murray. I mean, is she back? Very likely, yes. I mean, it, right. all the dirt teachers are saying that she is. But not Has yet. the company announced it? No. So, exactly. I mean, it's more a matter of it's. it's is it official official? No. Mm. But is it likely? It's, it's pretty likely. And but then, you know what? For the better, they got fucked out of WrestleMania this year. My thing with that is that if they're going to do it there, fine. And anything can change with the pandemic in the next six months. We said that six months ago. But, again, anything more things can change between now and then. We could have a vaccine or whatever. I don't think we will. But they got to have it be safe. They can't have a 70,000-person arena no. filled as it normally would be for any WrestleMania. It's got to be social distance shit like what AEW is doing right now. It's got to be like that. It can't be like business as usual where you, you fit 70,000 people in there, which I'm not even sure would be allowed. I mean, maybe it would be. I don't know. I don't know. And then, like, there's no masks. You, you got to put that shit in place. Listen, I wouldn't want to go to WrestleMania wearing a mask or sitting away from people. But you got to do what you want to fucking do. If you're going to do a stadium, that you got to do it right. You have to. You can't put 70,000 people in there in this current environment. Well, so, like, you know, still, they had uh, baseball playoffs and, and, and they got NFL games with, 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 with no fans in that kind of environment. Do you think they still do WrestleMania with fans or without in Tampa? No, I think they will. They will. I think they'll just... I mean, if AEW is doing shows now with fans, and like there, there are games. There are games that have some, play, that have uh, fans at them. Not a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot. No, not a lot. But uh, uh, not a lot is better than none. Right. I would say. So that looks I weird, think though. they will. I, I think they'll find fans to, to fill those seats. Again, not every seat. That would be fucking stupid. Right. I think it'd be really dumb. But to fill like what is it? A seventy thousand person arena? Maybe. Not even sure if 10,000 would make sense. Maybe 8,000, but they're all spread out. You know what? Again, it's better than nothing. I think it's better than doing it at the Thunderdome. So right. that's just oh, my yeah, opinion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, or the PC. My last point to you, um, oh, two, two things. So I was hearing Cheap Pete uh, by Rosenberg on um, last week, Peter Rosenberg. Um, he had Jey Uso on. So... The question was now, you know, with, with with Roman the way he is, and there's a rumor of the Ro- uh, Roman and Rock maybe a WrestleMania or that that could be a potential WrestleMania match. Um, Jay Uso said that at some point in time, like my, his his dream match would be against his his, his twin brother Jimmy Uso at a WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Um, could that happen this year? I don't know because it, now if you go with Roman and Rock, had this whole family feud kind. Of, tie into each other that you could do it one you as a fan you know i always have you as a booker do you do that this year how would you even get there do you do you even want to split up the usos who's a good guy who's a bad guy how would you get to a, a jay uso jimmy uso match at a wrestlemania i wouldn't do that at all 
I don't think it's a pipe dream. No, I would never. I would not do that. It's different than Brett and Owen. It's different than Jeff and Matt because those guys can stand on their own as singles competitors. Now, mm. listen, I don't want to discount either Uso because if you told me six months ago that we'd be getting Roman and Jay Uso as a Universal Title feud, I would have laughed in your face because that's ridiculous. Because the Usos have never been anything but acting guys. Mm. But to Jay's credit, though. He has knocked it out of the park with his recent run as a singles guy. Yeah. I can even see them giving him a token mid-card title run at some point if Jay's still out, which I think he's only going to be out for a couple more months and that may not even be necessary. I would not break up the Usos if he were to if he were to do the match. The only way I could see them setting it up is if Jimmy comes back but turns on Jay and joins Roman instead. I think they should both be with Roman. But if you're going to do that match, which you shouldn't, but if you're going to, Jimmy goes heel. Maybe Naomi, who's on Raw, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. If you maybe Naomi goes heel with him, and they're kind of like a married heel power couple, whatever. Yeah, Jay's the baby face. The problem with that dude is that when that's over, what do you do with these guys? I mean, I just don't think Jay's doing great work right now. I don't think this is gonna. When the Roman feud is over, maybe he can have a nice little feud with Sami Zayn or something. But like long term. I don't think either guy has a real feature as a single star. I really don't. I like the Usos a lot. I just think there's more value with them as a tag team than there is on their own. Unless they dramatically change up their looks and they really go all out. Hmm. But I don't see that happening. I would rather just see them stick a, stick around as a tag team, personally. So you're saying that for, for right now or like ever? You don't want them to break up like ever? I mean, they've been together for 10 years for a reason. I just don't think there's any real value there long-term with them as a, as, uh, as singles competitors. I feel like they would break them up, do the feud, and then they would just flounder and they would get released. Because they wouldn't have any plans for these guys. Just because like, even even more so than like Enzo and Cass, who I thought had maybe mildly bright features on their own, even that didn't really work out for other reasons. But mm-hmm. you know, Jimmy and Jay are literally twins. It's not like the Bella Twins. I mean, you could probably say the same thing about them. They definitely look different now, obviously, compared to 10 years ago for obvious reasons. But they just had different skill sets. And also, Bree just wasn't that good. Nikki was a lot better. Nikki really improved. Um, Bree improved, too, but Nikki more so. Mm -hmm. Nikki was more of a star. I just don't see that happening with Jay and Jimmy. They look exactly the same. Some people can't even tell them apart more often than not. Did Nikki and Bree ever go one-on-one? Oh, no. Yeah, they went on one-on-one a bunch of times, actually, including actually at Hell in the Cell. They had a match about six years ago, and then they, again, they broke up. They got split up, and then the feud was so fucking bad. It was so bad (laughs) that WWE literally went ahead and put them back together. Because it was so bad. They were like, wow, these two are much better together than they are apart. And Nikki actually does well on her own, so... If that was the case with them, I can only imagine how bad it would be with the Usos. I really feel like it would be a mistake to split those guys up. But I think, I think, I think they can pull it off because the the only story you could have to build towards that is the fact that when Jay was uh, fighting Roman at the last pay per view, Jimmy threw in the towel. Now I know they'll they'll go at it again at, at Hell in a Cell. What role does would would Jimmy play in that? I have no idea. Maybe that that's, that was a one and done thing because Jay Uso also said that was supposed to be a one and done deal, but they wanted it back for for Hell in a Cell to continue the the, the storyline. So yeah, that's the only thing you could say. Well, Jimmy threw in the towel when I, you know I didn't quit, I didn't give up against Roman, and aside from that, 
I just don't know how you would get there. Would I want to see it? Sure. I, I, that, that's just who I am. But the thing is, it'll have to make sense. Who's a bad mm-hmm. guy? Are, are, are people going to really root or uh, cheer, uh, cheer against Jimmy Uso and Jay? I don't, I don't know. I mean, Jay would have to be the baby face. Right. He's done such good work as a face in recent weeks. He would have to be the baby face. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jimmy has it in has more in it in him anyway to be a heel. Um, again, I just again, it's a good idea, but I just think long term it would just not be. You're gonna see these guys back on fucking main event. I think they just don't have a lot of. Oh, I just no. I think there's way more value with them as a. They, do they already have a million singles guys that they could be doing more with? I don't really need to see the Usos split up and then get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, on Raw but, or SmackDown. But, but main, it's, event, it's kind of the same th- main event, main event, really, main event, really. Yeah, definitely. After they have their feud, this company, dude, there's already Andrade went undrafted. If Andrade went undrafted, when this Roman Reigns thing runs its course, and I would love to be wrong, they are not going to be doing jack shit with Jay Uso unless it's with Jimmy. Again, they could be doing. They could give him a nice little mid card run, which yeah. is cool, and I like Jay a lot. He could be Intercontinental Champion. He could be U.S. Champion. You know, uh, 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 Money to Bank winner. I mean, any. The issue is though, dude. Anyone could be. The problem <laughs> is that they have other people that should be a higher priority. I would rather see Keith Lee in that role over Jay Uso or Andrade or like um. Listen, I would rather see if you're gonna do that. Montez Ford has breakout potential. He is a guy that you could do that with. He is a guy I could see getting a real run on his own. Mon- uh, Angelo Dawkins ain't fucking going anywhere. And I like Angelo, but he is just getting buried beyond belief. Trust me. He's going to end up on main event against Humberto fucking Correo. Um, Montez Ford is a guy that you push to the moon. I don't see that with either Uso. They re- again, they've done, they've done great work, but a big part of that is Roman Reigns. You take Roman Reigns out of the equation, it doesn't look the same, dude. I think people are kind of overestimating what futures these guys have on their own. I don't, I think it's been great so far. It's absolutely exceeded my expectations. But I think beyond this program, it's a very limited shelf life in terms of their singles potential. Hey, Jay Uso, Jimmy Uso, if you ever hear the show, I support you guys. <laughs> Graham is just the opposite. So just hopefully you get the this one-on-one match at WrestleMania. You, 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 you kill it out there, and you prove Graham Matthews wrong. <laughs> I, guess I guess I'm not down since day one-ish, but that is what it is. Yeah, Graham, I just don't see it happening. But Graham, oh, I would love to see a, them prove me wrong. Put Graham in a, in a Uso penitentiary. Um, <laughs> the last point, as you see in the bottom, you know, if you're watching on YouTube and Twitter, um, I have Shield members impact today. So I, I, I don't want to go really full in detail with that, but I feel like with Roman being world champion, um you know, Ambrose, Moxley being world champion with AEW. Seth has been a multiple-time world champion. I really, I, I literally sat back a half hour before the show started and said, you know what? It'd be kind of cool to talk about who's had a better career, um, more so between Roman and Seth right now. Can can Moxley get there? Sure. But yeah. like their impact when they came into the, the, the company years ago, I think eight years ago, um, I think we wouldn't be standing here today saying that Seth and Roman and, and, and Ambrose would be three of the most top guys in all of wrestling at, at, at one time. Um, many different accolades. I could read off to you that in a second. Um, but these three guys at the top of their game with a lot left to go, champions at the same time. If, you, if I ask you to describe the Shields members' impact today on wrestling, what would that be? 
huge. I mean, I think we, we talk a lot about WWE failing to create stars, and they absolutely, you know, mangled Ambrose at a couple different points, and, and, and Reigns to a certain extent, too, but they're all, they're all stars. You, you can't say that WWE hasn't created stars in the last decade without talking about The Shield. They're, they're the three biggest stars they ever created in the last decade, I would argue. They've had a lot of big stars like Asuka, Owens, mm. AJ, I don't really count because AJ already had success elsewhere. I'm talking about like from the ground up, they kind of built up themselves and real superstars. Becky, Those Charlotte. Those guys are them. What'd you say? Becky, Charlotte. Okay, I'm sorry. Male superstars. Oh, male. male yeah, superstars. Right. Okay. Women, absolutely. The four horsewomen. Mm. The Shield are the four horsewomen of the men's division mm. in terms of stars they built from the ground up from NXT development or whatever. And they made them stars. They were all world champions in WWE. Ambrose is doing his best work now in AEW. Um, and could he get to that level of an Ambrose and a Reigns? Absolutely. And one can argue he might even already be there. Um, but he's got to be in that. T- like, he's got to drop the title there and continue to be a big star. Like, Ambrose dropped the title in WWE, was never that level of big star again. Right. He was, he was always main event material after that. I mean, he was, but they didn't put him in that position. Reigns and Rollins have won multiple world championships. They have, what, fucking 10 titles between them, I think? Um, it's ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, they've all been super successful. They've all been, you know, Ambrose they had their issues with. But you can't say, oh, Ambrose was buried in WWE. Creatively, they kind of fucked them over towards the end. But the guy was a former WWE Intercontinental Tag Team, United States Champion, Mr. Money in the Bank, Rollins and Roman. I would say of the two, Rollins has had a better career because his booking has been better than Roman's. Roman's has had more. Roman has had more high-profile victories in the main event of WrestleMania, beating John Cena at one point, beating The Undertaker, beating Brock Lesnar, beating Triple H, beating this guy, that guy. He's beating a lot of big names, but people have booed him for so long because he was miscast as a babyface. Rollins, they turned him heel. He made out as a great heel. They turned him face when he started to get cheered again. He was a great face. When he started to get booed last year, they turned him heel. He's had a lot of great characters. He's had a lot. Of, I think he's had better matches than Roman, even though Roman's had a lot of great fucking matches. But if I was to put together a list of you know who's had better matches in the company, I would put Rollins' name above Roman. Uh, Rollins, I think, has had more accomplishments in terms of championships won. He's a multi-time Intercontinental Champion, Tag Team Champion, like a fucking six-time Tag Team Champion with different partners, uh, United States Champion, multi-time Universal WWE NXT Champion, uh, main evented WrestleMania, kind of, won Money in the Bank, won the Royal Rumble. He's done it all. The guy's done everything there is to do, and Roman's done a lot, too, and he's right there fucking behind you on the TV screen, Mr. Uh, former Monday Night Messiah, now SmackDown oh, Savior. The Messiah. But, Without the shield, the show looks a lot different in the last decade. Let's put it that much. Let, let, let's just put it that way. Um, I think the shows look a lot worse without the shield than it would be uh, than it would be without them. So they, they've been big stars. WWE, to their credit, we talk a lot of shit about how they don't create stars. Easily the biggest stars they've had in the last decade because their buildup from their debut is perfect. And even after they split, they all went on to have very successful singles careers as they should have. There was no Marty Jannetty in that group whatsoever. So, so you mentioned accolades. I got it. Um, for, I, I got think it. done. Yeah. So you mentioned you mentioned accolades. I got it. I got it for you right now. Roman Reigns, three-time world champion, two-time Universal champion. One-time Intercontinental Champion, one-time U.S. Champion, one-time Tag Champion, 2015 Royal Rumble winner, Seth Rollins, two-time World Champion, two-time Universal Champion, one-time NXT Champion, 
two-time Intercontinental Champion, one-time U.S. Champion, six-time Tag Champion, Money to Bank winner in 2014, Royal Rumble winner in 2019. Both have beaten Cena, Brock Lesnar, Roman beat Taker. So you're telling me right now that Seth Rollins has currently the better career between the entire Shield members, correct? Yeah, just because I think Roman was so badly booked as a babyface. I mean, yeah, he's had a lot of accomplishments, but Rollins just had a much better character arc. That's another thing you got to consider too. Like they both, they, they were both booked beautifully during the Shield days, but after that, Roman should have been a heel soon after, which with how they booked him, and it's not his fault. It's WWE and how they booked him. So Rollins again, they went with him when he started getting cheered. When he got booed, they turned him heel. He, he was booked perfectly. I don't know why they couldn't do that with Roman. And now we're finally starting to see the best version of Roman Reigns now. So if you ask me again in five years, depending on how long this heel Roman heel Roman Reigns thing goes, he very well might be the bigger star of the four. He's obviously been positioned more as the face of the company compared to Rollins. But I think in terms of pure booking, Rollins has had it better because they've they've just. They've turned him heel when they needed to turn him heel, turned him face. He's had a lot of great stories, feuds, matches, moments. Um, Reigns has as well, but the fan support was never really there. That might be the only thing that gives Rollins the slight edge over Roman Reigns, in my opinion. And to be fair, Ambrose Moxley, uh, one-time world champion, three-time intercontinental champion, currently AEW world champion, two-time tag champion, one-time U.S. champion, money in the bank winner in 2016. So not bad. Um, still a little far away from both Roman and Seth, but um, I think all Roman needs is what money in the bank. That's really it, right? Yeah. That's all he um, needs. Yeah, he hasn't won money in the bank. I think both guys, for whatever the fuck it's worth, I'm not even sure if this would and matter he's anymore. Made and he's made event at WrestleMania what four times, Roman? Yeah, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-three, and thirty-four. Yeah, four times. Right. Could have made a vent at 36, but the whole pandemic. Probably one of the, yeah, maybe one of the nights. I don't know if Taker and Styles would have gone on last if they had Reigns and Goldberg, but yeah, but yeah I probably. Guarantee, I guarantee you he'll made a vent 37. Oh, yeah. Um, I guarantee it. I don't know, guarantee, Roman but Reigns there's a very good chance. Reigns event WrestleMania 37. I mean, I think he should, but I think there's a chance they could put Drew in someone else in that spot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can you see know that. how they do, Graham. They look at the at the universal title more prestigious than the world title. That, that, that that's that, that's a fact. I mean, the WWE title went on last yeah. this year. Oh, what uh, what uh, <laughs> who went on? Who who went on last WrestleMania? Oh, this year, Drew and Brock, right? Yeah, Drew and Brock. Yeah. Uh, well, I understand what you're saying. It's because it's really the title that Roman Reigns holds is usually the more important one, and it just exactly. so happens to be the Universal Championship. Exactly. It's on SmackDown. You know, it's good to see because the SmackDown title almost never gets shown any fucking love. So it's nice to see that the SmackDown title is finally getting some love, even though it's not the WWE Championship, but whatever. You know, I, I listen, I want to see Roman in the main event against The Rock or Big E or whoever, or Daniel Bryan. We'll see. It depends. I mean, they, we could get a main event of John Cena versus The Undertaker again. I mean, I heard they might be bringing those two back for Mania. No fucking thank you. Um, but at any rate, I think Roman should be the main event based off how great of a you know great work he's been doing recently. So, last question I got for you, and I know we'll save it for a basement show 
um, down the road, but I know there's a recency bias when I when people ask this question. Where do you rank the Shield as a faction all time for you? Like wrestling or WWE, or it doesn't matter. You 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 tell me. You answer how you want to answer it. Is it is it is the Shield in your top five factions of all time for you? I mean, I'm pro- I want to say yes, but I feel like if I do, I might be missing some. I mean, I'll, off the top of my head, I'm thinking DX, mm. NWO, right. Four Horsemen. Right. I mean, I'm not even saying in that order. I'm just saying like in just general. All right. Um, so you got three so far. I mean, I want to say yeah, but like maybe Evolution would be in there too. That's four. I'm also, you also got to think... Uh, I'm putting them in there because they all went on to have such big futures. I mean, they they weren't only together, dude, for like a year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. The Shield, they weren't together for that long. But um, that said, though, they've gone on to have massive success. Evolution created Batista and Orton. The Shield created everyone involved in that group. I would probably put them in the top five. I guess it would probably be in no particular order: NWO, DX, Four Horsemen, Evolution, Shield. I don't really give a fuck about like the Ministry of Darkness and wow, yeah, you know, wow, shit like that, like wow. the acolytes or what? Not the acolytes. What was it? The, the disciples of Apocalypse or whatever the dumb shit that was. I'm, I'm trying to think, but I mean, again, I'm, I, if I say that, I could see a million people going, "Oh, you, you missed the authority or something like that." That's I don't right. know. Obviously, not the authority. You missed the nation oh, of domination. God. You missed the heart foundation. Okay, okay, the hard foundation. All right, this is what I'm saying, Randy. I, don't, the, 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 I can't think of every fucking faction off the top of my head. Jesus Christ. Okay, maybe not top five then, because they'd probably put the hard foundation over the shield. They would put. They would put nation probably over the shield. No, I mean, that one's I tough. I you because, bro, trust me, if you ask all your friends or on Twitter, <laughs> you a poll. People are going to say the shield are top five all time. And it's like, okay, that, you can have that conversation. You say what? It makes sense. Yeah. It's not it's not that outrageous. If you told no, me no, like no. I don't know. All right. Let's put it this way. If you said, which WWE has done this before, we've talked about this. We had a whole episode on something along these lines. Mm-hmm. If you said top five undisputed era, then I would disagree with you. Okay. And listen. There is no bigger undisputed era mark than myself. But having success in NXT is not the same thing as having success on Raw, SmackDown, or any major company like a WCW, NWA, or something. Right. It's just not fucking the same. I agree. It's not the same. So that I, I would disagree with that. And we also don't know what their future holds beyond the group either. They could all fucking go on and do absolutely nothing on the main roster. So we got to remember that too. Right. Um, but the, with the Shield, we already know they've gone on to be. Do they between them? Including AEW, they have 11 world titles between them. The NWO was only great for so long. They left, they left a lasting legacy, and they made an incredible early impact, but like mm-hmm. you got watered down after a while. DX yeah. didn't really create any new stars. I don't really... I mean, they created a New Age Outlaws, I'll say that, in, in China to a certain extent, even though she was kind of already over pre-DX. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, obviously I would put DX in... NWO, I would say, over like the Shield. Mm-hmm. But if you say the Shield is top five, I don't think that's a bad opinion. It's definitely debatable, right. but it's not like, man, you're an idiot. Like, I think Undisputed Era, Inner Circle, I mean, not that people would say that, but like, Bullet Club is another one. That's a that's an interesting one. 
Yeah. Would you put that in the top five? I don't know. No. They've been together for seven years. No. Is it all the same members? No. Um, have they had an impact in the industry? Yes. I don't, that one's interesting. That one's interesting. I don't know if I would put Bullet Club top five. I would personally put Shield over Bullet Club. Even though Shield was together for a year and a half, Bullet Club's been together for fucking seven. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I just... Mm, can I remember one memorable feud they've had? No, like... I don't know. It's it's a it's a, it's a weird thing with Bullet Club. That's that's kind of a sensitive subject for some people. I would put Shield. I, I may put Shield in top five. I don't know if I would put them over Nation of Domination. But if they're not five, they're easily six or seven. I would put I would put the Hard Foundation over the Shield, though. I will say that. Okay, so real quick to reiterate, you got DX, NWO, Four Horsemen, Evolution, and the Hard Foundation. Or shield over heart foundation. No, no, no. I think heart foundation is over shield. Okay. What it, mm. Look, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you thinking. I got you. Well, thinking. I got, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about shield and evolution. Which one was better? Oh, so you, oh, you, you trying to decide shield over evolution? Yeah, heart foundation is over shield. Evolution and shield, though. I'm, I'm sure I've had, we've had this conversation wow. before, and I've thought about it. That's tough. That's, I'd probably put evolution. Because yeah, not just because they were together. I don't know. It's it's really difficult to say. The only argument I give you before before I wrap it up. The only argument I would say I I won't put evolution. I won't put the shield over evolution. Okay. The only argument fans might have to put shield over evolution because evolution already had two established stars in Hunter and Ric Flair, champions. Correct. All that they were they they had their run, and they were still and they were still going. The Shield had three brand new people from scratch, and they built up to where they became champions, Rumble winners, Money in the Banks, and, and all that. So, I still got Evolution above the Shield, but if someone to put Shield above Evolution for that reason, I can't. I can't really be like, you know what? You're not technically wrong about that. But no, I agree exactly. You could really say it either way, and you're not like a fool for saying either one because you're absolutely right. I didn't really think about that, but you're right. They took three literally unknown guys, and yeah, Rollins was an NXT champion, but no one was fucking watching NXT at that point. Right. And they made them into household names. Exactly. So, you know, and now Ambrose is the face of another promotion, so. That's right. I would probably give the Shield the edge slightly, and they've also, like Evolution, I think a lot of people think about evolution you either have fond memories of the group or you fucking hate them because they were a part of like that era of raw where it was literally all about them it was all about triple h and they didn't put over literally anyone else but evolution the shield put over a lot of people they had amazing men you gotta remember the matches too evolution never had any great six-man multi-man matches ever they had great moments individually mm-hmm. but never as like a group they, yeah they had that one night where they won all the titles but that was about it right. um as a, a match wise shield had their first ever fucking match on the main roster ryback team hono tlc 2012 at the barclays center in brooklyn one of the greatest matches like of the last decade an amazing debut, like one of the greatest in-ring debuts I've ever seen. And they went on to have great matches with every trio from that point forward, but most notably the Wyatt family and Evolution with, you know, two or three amazing matches. And again, three of the best, um, you know, some of the best matches of the last decade in WWE. Evolution didn't really have that. So, mm. you know, whatever. But they were also booked beautifully too. The Shield, they, they weren't together before. They got to a point where like it was, 
it was dying down where they lost juice. They broke them up right before they got to that point mm-hmm. and they all went on to have great success. They've reunited a bunch of times. They've had success. So heels faces, they work as both evolution. Never really had that face run. So I would put the shield over evolution, but again, either one, I don't think it's a dumb opinion either way to put one over the other. If you say inner circle, that's a different conversation. Well, I'm surprised you ain't put uh, your favorite at number as number one, um, the authority for, you know, <laughs> do I just leave the chat now or where, where, where do I leave? No love for the authority? Come on now. God, man. fucking. If we're making a list, uh, yeah, maybe if this is the list of worst of factions of all time, then absolutely. But oh, if it's wow. the, the best, then absolutely not. Oh, wow. Uh, That's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, Graham Matthews, Bleacher Report, fan, cited, Daily DDT, my man. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at WrestleRant. You can follow me on Twitter and IG at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on the Cruise Control Podcast Network now on YouTube, presented by Red Bull. Graham, my man, thank you, and I appreciate it. Thank you, Randy. Take care. I'll talk to you next week. All right, man. Take it easy. Adios. You too. All right.